This is Amateur Logic, episode 168, for April 15th, 2022. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in amateur radio accessories. And by ICOM. Spring is on the air, and it's time to get outside with ICOM's new ID52A handheld. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Emil. I'm Mike. And it's good to be back with you on an April 15th show. Tax Day. Tax Day. And also, it's uh, Tommy Day. Happy birthday. Thank you. That's why it's called Good Friday. We even sprung and bought you a cake. Oh. Oh, Awesome. Happy birthday. That's a good low-cow cake. This is an official British tea kettle, courtesy of Nigel, KG0PL. He sent it to us a while back. You saw it when we opened this on mm-hmm. on the show uh episode or two back. Anyway, I've brewed up some beverage here. We're going to try it out tonight. Tommy, you want to? Pour the first cup there. I'll try. Let's see if I can do it without scalding myself. Yeah. First Mike, up, Mike you, you know what this means, right, Mike? What, what does it mean, Emil? This, this show is going to be steeped and fun. <laughs> there you go. I thought you were going to say steamy. <laughs> yeah. You know... He sent a uh, teapot, but I didn't get all the instructions. I know how many tea bags I was supposed to put in here. We're kind of winging it. Yeah. I'm not sure that I got it hot enough, although eh, it looks like maybe I did. For the right proportions. This is supposed to be much better than than the way we've been doing it, just putting a bag in a cup and pouring hot water on it. So we're gonna we're gonna find out. Is it uh, is it too hot to drink, or you think it's ready? Nigel said he's making a cup himself over there. Okay. And somebody wants to know if you tried to tune up the pot yet, George. No, I haven't tried loading it. Well, I did load it, but. It's a bit hot. Is it? Yeah. I'll take another stab at it in a minute. What do you think? It's good. It's pretty warm, but it's good. You think it's better? Yeah, it's got a little bit more flavor to it. I think so, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have to circle back around to it when it cools off just a little bit here. Ooh. We are official bonafide now. 
Yeah. <laughs> An official British teapot. Yeah. You know, awesome. Thanks for doing that, Nigel. Appreciate that. How many redneck ham radio shows can make that kind of claim? <laughs> Not many. Yeah. <laughs> Not many. So I guess you're right. They don't call it constant comment for nothing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I I put my honey in cup before I brought it out here because I knew I was going to want some. And Tommy's has a little less than a teaspoon of sugar. I don't know how it, much you want. It's fine. It's perfect. Yeah. Most of the time, honestly, I don't put anything hardly in there. Okay. Sometimes I put a little just to cut it, depending on the tea. But Amanda says, "What? No cream? I've never had cream in tea." Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think Nigel said that was a requirement, right? Something about milk. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we might have to get another set of revised instructions. I mean, you know, we're already kind of running over the limit here, Emil. This is not iced tea. This <laughs> this is hot, you know. Uh, so we don't, there you go. It's we not don't loaded want, with sugar, right? That's yeah. illegal. That's illegal in some parts of the South. Yeah. That's right. All right. So we got a, a fun show lined up tonight. First, let's just go around and see what everybody's been up to. Tommy, what have you been up to? Uh, honestly, not a whole lot. Well, I'll take that back. I have been uh, testing out some stuff with my handy talkie, which you'll see that a little bit later. And i uh, also been working on the D-Star repeater that we got, uh, the new D-Star repeater. So looking forward to getting that project finished up. Yeah, me too. Well, I've been... I've been at a transmitter site today, and I've been working on probably it's a 25-kilowatt, maybe a 30-kilowatt RF switch. You do have to turn it off the power before you mess with it. I was going to say, yeah. you don't look like your tan's much better. No, no it's not. Uh, email, what's been going on down there? Well, I have been enjoying... The both the bad, I mean, the good weather and temperature changes here. All the antennas are growing nicely in the backyard. Um, and also, I've been dealing with the other side of that the bad weather, as you guys know, because you we pretty much get the same thing just in a different uh, angle as they go through. But uh, seems like every week we're getting some of those tornado warnings and watches, and you have it. So, I've been doing a lot of uh, on the air. Uh, storm spotting and watching. So that's what it's been like down here. Pretty much every Tuesday or Wednesday we've been getting them. Yep, seems like it. Sometimes a Thursday. Yep. But always a Tuesday. Yeah, and, and the worst time, too, sometimes at night, that's the, man, yep. when you start getting those alerts and you're hearing things, not good. Yep. Mike, what has been going on up there? Well, we went from some kind of wild weather uh, the past week. We went from uh, a little bit of snow flurries to freezing rain to snow pellets and then just rain. And In fact, uh, yesterday morning, um, I woke up to the, the loudest thunderstorm I think I, I can recall in years. It sounded like uh, thunder was cracking directly overhead. Um, it was uh, extremely loud, and there was a lot of it, so... I guess it was the first official thunderstorm of the year up here. 
Oh, wow. um, with all the rain we've been having, though, everything's starting to, the grass is starting to grow, everything's starting to green up, so it's almost uh, time to give up on the antenna weather. It's almost <laughs> getting too nice for that. <laughs> yeah. I've already done one good grass cutting here, and I'm due for another one if it stops yeah. raining long enough. So, Mike, should we say welcome to the club? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, th- there's that, too. Uh, you can call me the COVID kid if you want. Um, <laughs> so, I guess uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, I um, I developed a, well, a sore throat. It, it felt like I, I swallowed a, a PL259 connector. And for those of you who have swallowed a PL259 connector, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but other than that, it wasn't too bad. Um, and it felt like I was getting uh, strep throat. And that, in fact, that's what I thought it was getting until I, I did the, um, what do they call it? The rapid antigen test or the rat mm-hmm. test. And then it came up positive and I thought, wow. <laughs> and, uh, even this morning I took another test and I'm, I'm still reading positive. So, uh, even though pretty much all the symptoms are gone now, so. Yeah, you did. You just never know. Um, thankfully, the the other family members, uh, we've been keeping our distance, and um, of course, I'm using separate towels, uh, you know, to dry my hands and stuff. Uh, I'm wearing a mask, and thankfully, uh, they've all tested negative. So hopefully, uh, between that and the and the uh, triple vaxing and 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 uh, wearing the mask and uh, washing my hands, uh, that's. Uh, done his job and hopefully um that's the end of it for now yeah okay i gotta hand it to you for being the holdout because you uh pretty much everybody i know down here has already had it about at least a month ago or more and uh anyway i had it uh last day of the year yeah end of january for me nobody else at my house here caught it just me and i stayed isolated from them pretty much and so no big problems there. Let's get on into the regular part of the show here. I've got an email. All right. Now this comes from Lloyd Beeson, AE5MM. And he says, George, do you remember which cap it was that went south? And he's talking about in my Astron and SS30M power supply. Now we talked about the bad capacitor and checking the ESR. He says he's having the same problem with his, and he just purchased an ESR meter from Amazon. Well, Lloyd, I don't know if you have found the bad capacitor yet, but just in case you haven't, here it is. On mine, it was C13, a 10 microfarad. You can see there it actually still measured 10 microfarad, but you can see the ESR was... 0.14k ohms, which is 140 ohms. And that's what was keeping that switching supply from working. So glad I found that. That I was ready to chunk it. Incidentally, um, I uh, inherited a, um, a co-worker had his 55-inch uh, Sony TV he was trying to get rid of. And he had it in the back of his pickup truck. And, uh, of course, I couldn't just let that thing go to the landfill or the recycler, so I volunteered to take it take it home. And um, I've got it apart right now, and the uh, switching power supply, 
I don't have my meter yet. It just happens to be a 10, 10 microfarad capacitor that I need to check out. Hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully your meter will get on in here and you can check it out and that'll be the one. Those power supplies are always a thing that goes out on the TVs now. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's the um, it's one of the few electrolytic capacitors on the on the primary side of the switching supply, hmm. so it's not even kicking in at all. Hmm. Yeah, this one on mine was in sort of in the secondary. I guess you'd call it secondary side of the supply, but ESR is a good thing to check. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned earlier at the first of the show, we've been brewing up some tea here in Nigel's teapot. Tea. So what's the official word now, Tommy? It's just right. Yeah. I, I think it does maybe taste a little better than it did. Yeah, it's got a little bit more flavor to it. Yeah. Because it makes you want to stick my pinky out when I'm drinking it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It straightened your pinky out. (laughs) All right. Um, I had an occasion. Kind of makes you feel like you want to ask somebody if they have any grape (laughs) pop. I had an occasion to make up an RF cable this week. Um, One from work, and I... Well, the video is pretty much self-explanatory. Let's watch this. By now, you're probably familiar with the type N connector that is often used on UHF radios and higher frequency type of connections, not really HF so much, although they can be used there, mostly on little higher frequencies than that. These are good connectors. Uh, Lower laws, better match than you'll get with the PL259, although, as I said, not usually necessary on HF and not used as much on VHF either. If you've ever tried to put one of these on, it's a little bit of a challenge. They're a little different. Connecting the braid inside is a little bit of a challenge. And, of course, you got to solder the center pin, too. And you want to make sure that that center pin comes through the right distance or else you'll tear up the female connector that you're plugging it into or you might not get a good connection so i've put these on before uh, they can be done with just a little practice not too terribly bad i need to make up some cables at work i'll be using rg213 since this is in the am broadcast band and it's a low power transmitter And this is just for jumper cables. This is not going all the way to the antenna. Imagine my surprise when I run across a new type of type-in connector that I've never seen before. This is made by RF Industries. Looks a little bit different, doesn't it? Looks like a type-in connector on this end. However, this part looks reminiscent of a PL259. As a matter of fact, the shield is connected the same way. But there's a tip for the Type-N right there. A washer goes down on the inside to make it weatherproof. Once you've connected the shield, you just screw it in there. 
You know, that looks to be a little easier connector to put on than your standard type in. They're similar in price to other type ins. These are silver plated. I bought these from DX Engineering. Uh, their part number is DXE1001S for silver plating. That's actually made by RF Industries. Their part number is RFN 1001S. If you're going to put on one of these, the first thing you're going to want to do is make sure that when you prepare your cable, you get everything the right length. And that's always a good idea when you're putting on connectors. I could guess at it, eyeball it, uh, maybe, you know, get it pretty close. But what I like to do is download the data sheet for the cable. This is the one we're going to be using to install this connector. So we'll prepare our wire using these dimensions right here. The first cut we're going to make is through the jacket and the shield and the dielectric and get down to just the center conductor. According to our drawing, this needs to be 0.441 inches. Here is another tool that I highly recommend. You can get these for $20 at Harbor Freight. Or you can find the same exact ones online. So I zero my caliper and we'll run this to 0.441. And once I get it there, I'll lock it down. I'll take a blade and mark it right there in the jacket, making sure that that's exactly where it needs to be. And now I'll cut on through the shield. I'm not going to go all the way through the dielectric yet. Now that we've got that off, it's a little bit easier to see what we're doing here with the dielectric. I'm going to cut it through just to where it comes through to the center conductor. I don't want to nick that center conductor. With a little practice, you can get this to where you can feel just when you're getting there so that you don't nick it. And that looks like it. They're showing a tiny bit of the dielectric left right here sticking out from underneath the braid. However, the difference between 0.287 and 0.307 is so tiny, it's almost impossible to cut that exact amount off. So I'm just going to take out this piece right here. I'm just going to measure 0.307 and we'll trim back off the jacket that far, exposing that much shield. And then I'm going to trim back just the jacket and try not to nick any of the shield in there. And we'll inspect the end here to make sure we don't have any of that braid on the end of the dielectric. And that is precisely where we wanted it. The next step here, and this is a very important step, whether you're putting on one of this style of type N connector or a PL259, you'll want to do this. I've got a Hakko here that I really like. This is an FX888D. I've got it turned up to about 800 
and 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Pull it over here where I can get to it. I have my largest tip on it. It's a chisel. I don't know the exact size of that one, but it's the largest one I've got, and that's going to be important for doing a big connector like this. Now, most folks would reach for a soldering gun to do this with. I have one, but I've really had good luck out of my soldering station and cranking it way on up. We're going to tin the braid, try to use as little solder as possible, but get good firm coverage all the way around. Now, to make that go quicker, we can put a little bit of flux on there. Now, there's different types of flux. There's paste. There's liquid. This little Kester 2331ZX flux pen has, well, I've been pretty impressed with it. It's easy to work with. Doesn't make a mess. And seems to clean up good. So I'm just going to take a little wipe all the way around the cable there. This will help the solder adhere a lot quicker to the cable. This is lead solder. You could do this with lead-free solder. I'm still old school. I like to use lead solder. And since it's legal here in the U.S., that's what I use for virtually everything. doesn't take as much heat as a new lead-free solder. Now you see with clean cable and a little flux, how quick that solder is sticking to that braid. So we don't have to melt the dielectric in the process. Looks like we've got the braid tinned all the way around. Once again, just checking the dielectric to make sure we don't have any metal shavings left there that might get in the way. We need to put our little silicon washer down inside the connector shell here. Now, if you've got it, it's a good idea to put a little silicon grease on that before you put it in. That'll just make it go a little smoother, but also helps it to seal better. And doesn't take much grease. I don't know if you can see it, but there's actually an indent cut into the connector to where that pops into it and fits down there perfectly. We screw this in over the cable, getting it all the way down, and we'll see the shield exposed through the holes here in the side. Now, this only has two holes, and it doesn't have four like you see on most PL259 connectors. That's okay, though. Now, we need this to go straight so that the center conductor does go right up through the center pin here and does not bend over in there. We don't want to let the jacket twist as we're doing this, so we need to hold it firm. And I'm starting to see the center conductor in the little hole in the pin there. And it looks like the shield is completely through the hole there and it's starting to get tight we may have it all the way down now and we do so that was pretty easy 
Matter of fact, it was a lot easier than trying to get the shield properly configured in this connector. So all we need to do now is get the solder here in the two holes and a little here in the center pin. Now we don't want to use excessive solder there, just enough to the job. And we don't want to get this excessively hot either and melt the cable. And a little flux goes a long way here, so I'm just going to put a little bit inside the hole there. And since this is a silver-plated connector, solder's going to stick to it pretty good anyway. Make sure you clean your tip as you go along. You don't want a dirty tip. So I've got to heat up the metal. I'm not really putting the solder on the tip. I'm feeding it down in there and touching the metal. I will get a little bit on the tip there just to get it to start flowing and the heat to transfer. Okay, I'm to the point to where it's running down inside there now. So although I'm not completely level there, I feel certain that I've got a good connection to the shield and to the connector as well. So we'll spin it over and we'll solder the other hole, which will go much quicker because that metal is plenty hot now. I don't want to get solder all around the outside of the pin there. It's probably going to be impossible not to get any on the outside, but the less the better. So I'll put the solder down in the hole before we even start. And it took a little bit to get started, but we did get it to flow down in there. Next, I want to clean off the flux. For that, I'm just going to use a little denatured alcohol. And this is still really hot. And that alcohol is evaporating as soon as I spray it on there. Now you can see we got solder covering the hole there and it actually went down inside and contacted with the shield. And we same thing here on the center pin. We've got that soldered through as well. And now that's that. All we've got to do is screw this on. And we'll be done. And that's good and tight. And there is a little gap there when you get finished. We can look at the other one and see. That is common, but that's all the way down. The center pin comes up where it should, which is approximately flush with the outside there. A type-in connector that resembles a PL259 as far as the shield is concerned. I think these will be fine for my application. They say they're good up to 11 gigahertz. We're going to be running this one at less than 2 megahertz, so I suspect no issues whatsoever there with it. Should be good connection, good match. So there we go. The RF Industries RFN1001S Type-N Connector or DX Engineering DXE1001S. 
So have any of y'all ever seen that that um, type of type in before? Oh, I never have. Nope. Yeah. So what? I can't I can't see what you got there, Mike. This is a uh, type N, but it's it's for um, half inch iliacs. Oh well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got some of it's, those. It's it's amazing how many different. Let's see here. I don't know if that'll focus in on there. Yeah. Um, these are completely solderless. They're compression fittings only. Yeah. And um, I guess you can get away with that because of the the nature of. Uh, Iliacs being, uh, you know, the rigid outer shield and uh, the real heavy-duty inner conductor. Yeah, well, if, if you got a guy up on a tower trying to replace one, he, he usually doesn't have a soldering iron with him. Yeah. So, But, yeah, but, that, uh, those are uh, the... They have so many different types like that. And like you like you indicated, you, you pretty much have to read the instruction carefully. Uh, that comes with that particular connector because they're all slightly different. Oh yeah, you need to get those measurements precise too. And that little old cheap Harbor Freight caliper has been a lifesaver on that type of stuff. I've got one, but I've never used it for doing uh, connectors on coax. You need to buy some connectors. Well, you probably have a bucket full still. Actually, but I don't have as many as you, you had a wheelbarrow. Full of of uh, PL two fifty nines, as I recall. Well, I hadn't been to uh, to a ham fest in two and a half years. Yeah, <laughs> swallowing to... all those things, man, they don't <laughs> last long. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, PL two fifty nine connectors, how many how many folks out there in the chat room have ever installed or started uh, installing or soldering on a PL two fifty nine, and you forgot to put the the, the thread on end in on your cable first before you put the other end on and soldered it on. Uh, I think pretty much everybody's got their hand up. Oh yeah. <laughs> Email doesn't I, have his. I up, think you only make sure. that mistake once. <laughs> I used because to you realize that. how much of a how much of a pain it is to uh, to put them on the proper way. Yeah. Well, you, P- never, you never do it wrong again. PL two fifty nine is not the only one that falls into that category. Um, uh, RCA connector. I've, I've done it more on those than I have yeah. on the PL two fifty one. Quarter inch, an XLR, just about everything except this Type N that we were just looking at. Which yeah, that's that's yeah. one of the neat things about it because it yeah. doesn't matter you you screw that end on last, so yeah. it doesn't matter. I've done the RCAs and uh, but mostly the three point five millimeter jacks. I've mm-hmm. done that a, a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you know, Mike is our foreign correspondent here on the show. So <laughs> when it comes to world events, he's got his pulse right there. Or he's got his finger on the pulse, I guess, of world events. Maybe that's how I should say it. Mike, did you have something you wanted to tell us about tonight? Yeah, it's it's that time again. It's the uh, World Amateur Radio Day, and this is a worldwide event. And it's uh, celebrating amateur radio's contributions to society. It happens every year on the 18th of April. Amateurs worldwide take to the airway to commemorate the formation of the International Radio Union, or the IARU, on April 18th, 1925. So 
that's been going on for a long time and and different clubs and uh, different organizations are um, using that as an excuse to have another contest uh, radio amateurs of canada will be having a contest and uh, the qr code that you saw if you go there you can find out all information on there plan on when linking it up okay I find when the stations get on there, for some reason, the band conditions seem to open wide open with all that activity. Hmm. So even if you don't want to participate, it's a good opportunity to listen if you haven't listened to HF in a while. Yeah. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment because we've got more yet to go. When it's time to get on the air, you want the DC power feeding your transceiver to be clean, quiet, and dependable. MFJ's Mighty Light Power Supplies are the perfect fit for most any HF, VHF, or UHF radio station. Weighing in at only 3 pounds, MFJ's 4230 series of Mighty Light Supplies pack a 30-amp punch with a continuously variable voltage range from 5 to 16 volts. Choose the MFJ 4230MV with front panel 5-way binding post for easy connection to your rig and station accessories. The MFJ 4230MVP, same five-way binding post, analog meter, plus two pair of Anderson power pole connectors on the rear. Or the new MFJ 4230DMP with dual digital display for simultaneous monitoring of both voltage and current. No matter which 4230 series power supply you choose, you'll get an excellent 75% efficiency. A whisper-quiet fan varies its speed as needed to ensure your supply keeps its cool while remaining as quiet as possible. While some competing switching supplies generate objectionable RF hash in your transmitted and received signals, these super-clean MFJ Monty Light supplies have extra-low ripple and noise less than 100 millivolts, weighing only 3 pounds, operating from 120 or 240 volts AC, 47 to 63 hertz makes this the perfect power supply to take with you anywhere in the U.S. or abroad. And MFJ's switching power supplies are protected by MFJ's famous, no matter what, one-year limited warranty. See all the great MFJ power supplies and ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com today. Thanks, MFJ, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. And you can visit them this year at Dayton Hamvention, they are going to be in building number one, booths 1703 through 1706 and 1803 through 1806. And they're going to have some unique items there, some um, some garage sale type of items, I understand. Oh, interesting. So I'll have to check that out. Got my ticket, got the hotel, ready to go. First time for me, so looking forward to nice. it, seeing everybody and uh, just being a part of that, seeing what it's all about. Heard awesome things about it. Oh yeah, you won't be disappointed. You will. You will not be disappointed. It's it's a great time. Mike, what about you? Did you make plans for this year? I haven't got any firm plans yet, but um, it's it's certainly on the radar and. Um, That'd be cool seeing Emil down there and watching the moss fly out of his wallet when he buys stuff. Yeah. <laughs> if he buys stuff. Buy stuff. Oh, he will. <laughs> I, I have yet to see anybody leave Hamvention without buying any uh, something, at least something. 
So true. True. Uh, yeah. He may lose his title. You know there. There used to be a, a saying, and I, I'm not sure if it's as true as it is today, but before eBay came along, uh, there used to be this saying about Dayton Hamvention, and the saying went along the lines, if you can't find it at Dayton, it doesn't exist. Mm, yeah. It's probably pretty close to true. Yeah. Email, you had another event you wanted to share with us tonight. I did, and you know... George, it's from a, a post from one of our uh, Facebook goers here, David Richardson, uh, W9KHZ, kilohertz. Got to love that call. And he put out a uh, thing, a uh, post about their participation in the 2022 field day in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, he says the city there is always good to them, even though the uh, politicians cycle through over and over. They always have good uh uh, feedback from the city there and you know he's pretty much reminding us all I guess it's time to start planning putting some things together and uh, getting organized in that regard so considering I'm the organizer for the W5 SLA club down here it looks like I need to get on the ball and get my act together so thanks for that reminder uh, David and we'll we'll hope to hear you on the air and we were just talking about field day right before the show tonight. We hadn't made plans yet. We'll have to see. Yeah, well, hopefully the weather's going to hold out, too. I, I hope so. And we were just looking at, I think that was field day 2019 that was on the pre-show tonight. We play an old episode before uh, we stream each episode live. Yeah, that's the and last one we actually went camping, I, too. Yeah, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So that that was a good one. That was a fun one, but a hot one, for yeah. sure. Well, we'll have to see what's in store for this time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, email, you know, they say talk is cheap. How well, cheap is it? Well, <laughs> George, you know, not only is talk cheap, and in order to hold my title there before I go to Dayton, uh, I happened to run across a cheap or free software um, using the Vara protocol. Some people are catching on to this. Uh, the developers are developing it. They're adding features to it as we speak. And it's called VARAC. Check it out. Hello, George, Tommy, Mike, Amateur Logic TV viewers. I was uh, rooting through some digital mode softwares, free, of course, and ran across the VARAC application. And looks uh, to me like the software is pretty much trying to uh, get the keyboard to keyboard chat via HF going again and so far so good with what i'm seeing here as they claim here vera ac hf fm digital chat reinvented there's lots of features on here that are literally putting it in the same class as like a skype chat or teams chat or others uh features like 
notifications that tell you someone is typing as you're typing over HF and and things like that. Of course, the ultimate thing for me when using it was the realization that it was using the Vara protocol, which is very good at uh, signal level handling with the uh, HF. Really, really interesting software here, especially uh, with... HF and I've I've really I gotta say, uh, the first time I sat down, downloaded it, and used it, I communicated instantly with someone on it. Very easy to set up and use. It's well well laid out. I'm guessing is what that's saying. Really interesting software here. So let's take a look at uh, my first use of it. We're all probably familiar with the protocol of Vera, but how about mixing Vera with a software that allows chat over HF? Well, there is Vera chat, but I ran across this software that allows much more functionality or visibility into what's going on with that chat session and adds features and functionalities as well. Features like being able to move away from the calling feature in a synchronized fashion or establish sessions with the other station, like you just see there. I found a station in South America that was calling CQ and established a session with them and then uh, proceeded to chat. Uh, one of the neat things I thought functionality-wise that was added was the ability to see that the other station was actually typing uh, a message, a response. It, it uh, gives you a function somewhat like the newer chat clients over the internet where you can actually see the other station remotely getting ready to type a message. And uh, as well as, again, moving away from that center frequency or calling frequency, you can move up and down in a synchronized fashion where you can request it to move up and down, and they answer yes, and both of you move off of that center calling frequency. So I thought that was a very neat feature of this client and use of it. Uh, I believe you can also transfer files with it, like Ferrachat, but again, very visible, well-laid-out windows here with this client and very functional uh, client so uh, this QSO was relatively short. It was my first one. What you're, what you're seeing here is a result of me literally installing the software. And as soon as I installed it, got it online, told it which radio I was using. In this case, I was using my ICOM 9100. That, I mean, it just worked from that point forward, which is a really great feature when things are functional, well-written, well-laid out from what I'm seeing here. And, of course, the ultimate thing about this in general, from my perspective, is the use of the Vara HF protocol. That protocol is just an awesome protocol when it comes to uh, signal-to-noise ratio handling and uh, operations in general. So whether I can see whether it's going to be for MCOM or just having some QSOs. This might get, get us going back towards the... Uh, what we used to do with a lot of PSK31, I take it, uh, before FT8 swept in 
and uh, it was just uh, computer to computer type, click, point, click, and contact. So this one does have those uh, features. There's a ping feature that'll actually establish a contact, exchange messages, but it's really designed for the QSO, the chat, uh, keyboard to keyboard chat. You can tell by the way the windows are laid out towards the bottom. So, well, I'm hoping you enjoy this. It's uh, got the the price was right, and it just works. That's my favorite, absolute favorite combination there. So let's take a look at it. It's obviously uh, keying your transmitter whenever you're typing, but is there like a buffer that fills up and then it sends it all out? Um, or how, do, how exactly does that work? As long you know, as you're I, typing, you're transmitting? You know what? No. It's, it's like, yeah, it is like a buffer, but it, it keeps a session going. There's a session that uh, negotiates between you and the other station that keeps going. That's why it's good to move away from that center calling frequency so other people can call and that's one of the things it has built into it you can move up or down in segments and it's synchronized when you click qsy up it it negotiates that with the other client and you both your transmitters move up together hmm. and then hmm. it reestablishes that session as it goes so i wonder if it listens to both of you and determines where there's a free spot well, again, the the person who wrote it, he he is uh, he has a very active uh, forum on a Facebook page, in fact, and he's taking inputs all the time. He's also changing it every time. There's another version coming out, I think, next week uh, that has a, a better uh, method of moving that QSO up and down. But it's session based, Mike, to answer your question. So it's constantly going back and forth between the two stations, establishing and maintaining that session. Then when you type more, it'll change the, the VARA protocol into data mode. And, George, I, I don't know what those uh, measurements exactly mean, but there's a level, kind of like FT8, negative 20 to plus 20, right? And I've established contacts with people at that negative 20 where I cannot even see them on that waterfall. <laughs> and it worked. So that has, again, it's a great signal-to-noise ratio protocol. Wow. I'm going to have to check that out. That looks really interesting. Very cool. I haven't even heard of it. File transfer. Uh, there's other parts to it, and it uses the, uh, if you have the registered version of Vera, the high speed, the 2300 wide versus the 500 wide, it's, it auto does a bunch of things. So neat, neat software. Well written. Cool. Well, thanks for bringing that to our attention. So, Will you be registering? I uh, probably <laughs> um, uh, discreetly. <laughs> discreetly, okay. You you cannot either confirm nor deny, huh? No, I cannot. 
All right, we still got more to go. But first, this message from ICOM. Spring is on the air. Get outside with ICOM's ID52A, the industry's first handheld that can send photos over the D-Star network. With the ID52A, you can call your friends in another city or internationally through D-Star repeaters with clear digital audio. ICOM's newest handheld amateur radio is a VHF-UHF dual-bounder with D-Star and FM dual-mode functions. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex, repeater, regional, and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. The ID52A is the first amateur radio with a full 2.3-inch waterfall display and can send photos over D-Star with a connected Android app. Other features include wideband receive with a guaranteed range of 144 to 148 and 440 to 450 MHz. VHF, VHF, UHF, UHF, VHF, UHF with dual DV mode. Integrated GPS GLONASS receiver including grid square location, micro SD card slot, micro USB for data transfer, programming, or charge and it meets IPX7 waterproof standards. Learn more about this and all the great ICOM radios at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Be sure to visit ICOM Deeringhamvention in their usual corner in Building 2, booths 2508 through 09, 2608 through 10, and 2708 through 09. And thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. It's always good to hear from people who watch the show. It is. Especially those who represent. We've got one right here. This comes from Doug, KB8M. He says, hi, guys. Vacationing in Dominican Republic. Oh, cool. Greetings from Punta Cana. I tried to get a Dominican license before I left the U.S. so I could activate Parks on the Air down here, but that didn't pan out. Apparently, the good Lord wants me to spend less time on the radio and more with the family. Okay by me, but I'm at least trying to represent amateur radio and amateur logic while I'm here. 7-3 from the Dominican Republic. Doug, KB8M. He's doing a great job representing yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and so Tommy, you I like the yellow? I think. Yeah, that's the first. Sorry, I, I was just saying that the yellow. I, I think that's the first, first uh, picture we've seen of somebody wearing a yellow um, Amateur Logic TV shirt. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I do too. Tommy, you were talking about that handy talkie a moment ago. You know, it's almost like. It was a photograph in my mind here. Yeah. Speaking of photographs, you could send photographs with it. Let's take a look at that. If you remember a while back, we did a video showing how to send pictures from one D-Star radio to another. Uh, at the time, I used my ID51 and 9700. It's a very good feature, uh, great for emergency communications, out surveying damage or what so forth. It did involve using a USB cable, hooking it up to your tablet or your phone, whatever you're using, and your data port on your radio. At the time, I used the ID51, but I've got a 52 now. With the new Bluetooth functionality on the newer radios, it really opens this feature up and makes it super convenient for MCOM or emergency communication usage. 
Uh, it's great for fun and sharing pictures with one another, but there's a lot more practical purposes for it as well. Let's take a look at it. First of all, we've got to pair the radio up with the phone, and I'll pair the 52 up with my phone because that's a good chance that'll be the one that I had out in the field with me, more than likely. Okay, so we're going to need to turn on Bluetooth. So let's hit menu, go to set, Bluetooth, Bluetooth, and turn it on. Now we're going to need to pair. So let's go ahead and do pairing reception. And I've, on my phone here, I will go ahead and bring up the Bluetooth stuff and find it. Hopefully we'll find the radio down here in the bottom. There it is, Icon ID 52 Bluetooth. Pairing, yep, hit the down arrow. Uh, pass key, that is the same pass key I see on both. So let's confirm and pair. And we've got it up at the top. So let's come out of the menu. Let's go into the application. So that's over here. I've got it under radio and there's RSMS 1A. I've already downloaded it and installed it from the Google Play Store. When I run it, it asks me what type of connection. You've still got the USB stuff available, but we've also got Bluetooth. So I'm going to do ID52 Bluetooth. Okay. And it should, it should pair up. And I see my device. I click it. And here we are. I'm looking at my radio. Now this was a UHF frequency that I normally use for other things. Uh, FM. So to change the mode, just tap the mode button right there and put it in DV or D-Star. I'm on super low power, which is what I want because I'm just going from here to there. That's as low as I can get. And you can see on the app that I've you can see that it's set to CQ, 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 which means anyone will be able to receive this. Or it's destined for anyone that can hear it. Uh, the FROM has got my frequency in it. Now, the normal D-Star routing rules work here. So if I wanted to send this to a certain person or route it through a certain reflector, I can do that. Uh, again, the normal D-Star routing rules come into play. And I won't go through all that. That may be... A, job for another video the from same thing well super low power you in this app you can change the power or whatever so I'm, I'm gonna leave it on super low there's some other cool features in here as well um, there's a repeater map that shows you the repeaters that are close by so you can bring that up now I'm recording on my phone so my phone's a little slow but um, you can t see there's one here if you tap it you can uh, Bring it up and touch the one you want and it'll set your radio to use that repeater. So it's a nice way to find the repeaters that are nearby or see one in a certain location. Other features are uh, you can send text messages, uh, import and export your settings, uh, your repeater lists and so forth. But that doesn't import it into the radio, it imports it into your device so that you can use that functionality to control the radio. Well, for this demonstration, we're going to go to share pictures and I'm going to send one. So we'll touch send, which is the default when you come in here to pick a picture. 
or choose one. Just hold down the picture button in the middle. I'm going to pick one from the gallery. You can take one and use that as well. And I'm going to use gallery here. And I'll just pick something. I don't know, something. Here's one of uh, near the Hoover Dam. I'll just send that. And here's a little tip. Don't use Google Photos when it, after you pick it. It's going to want to edit the picture and resize it. Use gallery or you're going to end up having some trouble with that. So I'll crop it in. I'll send those two towers. Done. Pick the size. Uh, you can do low. I'll, for this purpose, I'll just pick the middle on both of them. 320 by 240 and standard quality. Okay. You can see it's divided up into dots, uh, little blocks that it's going to transmit. Now over here on my 705, it's just sitting there. It's got the spectrum scope up. It's not in the mode to receive pictures. It's just sitting there like it was waiting to hear a call on D-Star on that channel. And I'm going to go ahead and start transmitting. This is one thing that's a big difference from using it the old way. Before, you had to have the app and go in and be sitting there waiting to receive a picture here. So you'd have to coordinate that with whoever's on the end at the EOC. As you can see, this radio sitting here with the spectrum scope up, just waiting to hear somebody call. The old way, you had to hook up the cable and have the app running and be sitting there ready to receive the pictures. Now it'll do it in the background. So let's, let's try doing it. I'm going to send from my 52 over to my 705. I'm going to click start transmitting. And you can see it running down through those blocks. Hear it beeping. And you can see who it's receiving to because I've got the GPS turned on on my handy talkie. It goes pretty fast. Now one thing, I did not check to see if I was in fast DV mode. So we'll check that in a moment. But uh, you would want that on to hurry up and send your pictures faster. And it finished. So... Let's go look here on our 705. We don't have any picture showing. Let's see if we received one. I'll hit menu. So we're on menu two, picture. And there's the one that we just sent from the phone. And there's the uh, who sent it, the quality, the time that it sent, and so forth. The nice thing also this screen on the ID52 has a similar functionality and it'll receive them as well. So you don't really have to have the phone or tablet to receive anymore. Now you do need it to send the picture unless you resize it and put it on the SD card. Um, and you can see how to do that in the video that I'm going to link below over on the ICOM YouTube page. But there's some cool functionality in here. Um, you can go back and look at the receive history. And so forth. Um, a lot of neat stuff. Let's go into application settings. It's going to clear my picture. That's fine. I, by default, this came in with metric for me, so I had to change it to uh, imperial measurements. So it's got a, got a lot of good stuff. Let's go back into the pictures. If we touch up here. We can turn off or turn on fast DV data, and you can see I had it on already. Um, so, isn't it pretty quick? 
I'm sure you noticed this video was done using an Android phone. Well, your iPhone users aren't left out. I actually have an iPhone as well. You can get basically the same application from the App Store. Look for RSMS1i. I guess the I stands for iPhone. And you can do the same things. Screen's laid out a little bit differently, but like I said, the functionality is pretty much the same. So you guys can enjoy as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. It's a cool feature. And in my opinion, it's just tailor-made for MCOM or emergency communications. You can go out with your phone and your radio and nothing else. And most of the time, I've got these two things with me anyway. And I can take that and send pictures back to the EOC or whatever, uh, if that was without what I was doing. Or send pictures to one of my friends without having to coordinate it ahead of time. So anyway, hope you enjoyed it and give it a try. 73. That's pretty cool, Tommy. I didn't know that they had made it that much simpler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nice you don't have to coordinate it with somebody on the other end now to send. And the wireless part, don't have to carry a cable or tablet around. So it really opened it up to me. I did a similar video. It's on the ICOM page, like I mentioned. But the new enhancements here, I thought that was kind of worth bringing attention to. Yeah. That's pretty quick transfer, pretty Tommy. Quick and you're right about MCOM and Aries uh, use for that radio. Yes, yeah, seems like it's perfectly made for that. Amazing speed to send that picture, and it'll even do 640 by 480, I see, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Nice up there, Tommy. I'm going to have to download it, get it yeah. on my phone. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I also, was. did you see me talking about how you can update the repeater list? I've seen so many people. I may do a segment on that sometime in the future. I've seen so many people complaining that, that that they're trying to import the repeater list on the phone, but it's not going into the radio, but that's not how it works. It, it's for just for use on the radio. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, just for use in the phone. So you can control the radio with the phone. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, you know, we were talking about Doug earlier. You remember, Doug, what if you'd like to look that good, well, maybe when you go to Dayton or any ham fest or... Or Dominican Republic. Or Dominican Republic or, I don't know, Mike, maybe any foreign country, huh? How could you, <laughs> too, look that good at the next event? Well, you, you could go to the Amateurizing Swag Shop and you could get one or two if you want them. Shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash amateur logic we've got shirts like that we've got caps like the one mike's got on a lot of cool swag on there there's some ham college stuff in there too shop.spreadshirt.com slash amateur logic that's the one. Oh, mike you're representing tonight i don't know if the sweatshirt is still in the store or not is it yeah there's some sweatshirts the crew neck sweatshirt yeah yeah they're on, they're still in there like you get double points tonight because you've got the hat and the and the shirt. You must have got a meal's hat. I think this, the dog must have got the other one. Hat two point oh. <laughs> Mike's the best dressed ham in Canada right now. Yeah, you know it. That's right. Tommy, you had an email you wanted to mention tonight. I do have one. This is from our friend uh, Timmy over in Finland. He said, "Hey Tommy, I wondered how many check-ins." have been collected in the whole uh, 100 
times of the logbook talking about from the soundcheck net. This was uh, in response to the 100th net that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda told us, told me that there's a bit more than 70 for that night. If the average is around 70, make that around 7,000 QSOs in the past two years. Well, I actually took some time and I, I looked it up and totaled them up. So total, we've had 5,326. And I was curious about the uh, the most check-ins. The most we had was 84, and that was when Tom and I did the net. It was Marty's turn, so i got to give Marty the credit because they probably came to see hear him on there. But uh, anyway, yeah. it was uh, 84. And then the second most was uh, Jeff and Amanda in uh, March of 2022 for 82. Oh, for, oh, for the 800th. Month. Yeah, that was actually the 100th net. Yeah. So this is current as of right now because I waited until the net this past week was over to total those up. Yeah. Speaking so, of Tom. Yeah. Speaking of Tom, he's in the chat room. I wonder how many unique chickens it was. Chickens. <laughs> the chickens. <laughs> if if you go look on the sheets that we use to tally, that's what he put on there is the unique chickens because, you know, we do the multi-mode check-ins uh-huh. where people can – he yeah. put unique chickens. So I, yeah. that's been the kind of running joke when we're in the chat there. The no, unique I, chickens. No, I didn't. I didn't break it out by the unique ones. That took a little bit more effort, and I didn't have quite time to pull that one together. But uh, yeah, anyway. I always thought it was Uniqu. Uniqu chickens. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to get in on that, it's every Tuesday night, eight Central. Echo Link All Star D Star. DMR, Brandmaster, or TGIF, Hamsack Hotline, System Fusion, Wires X, P25, NXDN, and M17. I used M17 this week for the yeah. first time in a long time. You know, I haven't used that one yet. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun net. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a what-the-heck-is-it picture, too, that uh, gets posted. Most of the time there's one, and it gets posted to the usual social media outlets a little bit before the net. We had this one last uh, week. Jeff and Amanda had this one, and they were accepting wrong answers only. And I'm I'm telling you, I have never seen so many comments about a picture that we've had in, <laughs> since we started doing that. There's like 150 comments, and every day there's people that are ch- joining the group that come in to comment on that picture. I'm, I'm not even kidding about that. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's really a lot of fun. And uh, if you haven't checked it out the net, you should give it a try. Oh yeah, uh, that that like was it. the um, that was the uh, the the manual SWR drip gauge for your coax. <laughs> you could you could watch the water drip out of that bottom spigot, and and count the standing wave ripples in the bucket to know what your SWRs were. I remember that. Yeah, it <laughs> makes a nice attenuator as well. <laughs> yeah, so that's an example of one of the what the heck is it pictures stuff like that could be could be a lot of different things. So. Yeah, but uh, they're they're a lot of fun. Yeah, and you know if you'd like to catch up and find out what's going on throughout the month and maybe where we get some of these posts that we mentioned, uh, there's a few different places you can do it. You can catch us on Facebook. That's at Facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv, or you can follow us around. Yeah, we're on Twitter at amateurlogic. Or, or mewe.com, join amateurlogic TV. 
If you don't like any of those choices. There's always groups IO slash G slash amateur logic. Yeah. So join us there for the high society. <laughs> As well, you can get the show notes uh, usually a couple of days after we've posted an episode. They'll be updated on there by our wiki master, N5ZNO, and he'll That's put good. the links to different topics that we discussed and, you know, details of what was in the show on there. Amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Well, fun show tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike, we're glad to see that uh, you're feeling better than you were a day or two ago. Yeah, certainly um, glad to be back, although I'm still isolating, so I'll be glad when that's over and I can step out on the I, I can step out on the back deck now, but I uh, can't go anywhere, obviously. So uh, yeah. I'll be glad when that's uh, finished. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can come on down now to Hamvention because hey, you don't have to worry about the COVID thing, you know. But it's true. You yeah, got a free pass know, for a while. <laughs> I gotta I gotta talk to cousin Jerry. He's been he's been keeping a low profile lately. No. Oh. One thing about Cousin Jerry, he's actually an avid RC uh, flyer, modeler. So he, now that the nice weather's here, I'm sure he's doing a lot of that. But um, the other side of the coin is he could be keep, keeping a low profile because uh, maybe he's been spending too much money on the hobby. So, so he doesn't <laughs> want to let he doesn't want to let Ham Vention out of the bag yet. He's keeping that under wraps. I got you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. Um, glad you could all join us tonight for the show. It's always fun. And, you know, we're watching the chat room as we go along here to see what people are talking about in there. We don't always mention it. And, you know, that's probably a good thing in some cases. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, good group of folks in there. So, you know, if you're watching live on YouTube, well, we're using the YouTube chat these days. Yep, get all in one screen now. Yep. Bunch of crazies. So before we get out of here, let's just go around the horn and see if anybody's got any parting thoughts for tonight. Uh, I don't have any thoughts at all. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. No, uh, actually, we really don't have too much to add. It's been a fun show, and I'm going to go check out that software that Emil showed us tonight because I found that very interesting. Yeah. I may do that tonight before I go to bed, actually. Cool. Email. Well, uh, looking forward to starting the planning for field day, looking forward to Dayton, and looking forward to starting our hurricane planning. Here we go again. So got to get that ball rolling down in the south here, but we'll be enjoying the weather until then. But when you plan them, can you kind of keep the number down a little bit this time? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll write that in. Yeah. You guys we'll got keep... a little carried away last year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it cheap. There keep it cheap. Go. It seems like it just ended. Nope. Mike, any parting well, thoughts? Well, I'll uh, be working on finishing the segment that I started. It's <laughs> kind of interesting. I think I think folks will like this one. You can watch uh, V three MIC try to try to get a 10-foot ground rod into the ground. So oh. that'll be interesting. This That will be. I, I can hardly wait. 
<laughs> into the frozen tundra. Yep. And I guess my parting thoughts are uh, you should join us at the end of the month for the next time college. That sounds like good advice. You know, you can never get too much schooling. No, that's not that's not really right, is it? Too much learning? Too much learning. There you <laughs> that's go. right. They might learn you something. Yeah. We're this, studying. We're going to do Gazentas this week. This I'm time. not sure what's going to be on it this time around. No, <laughs> no Gazentas? Uh, may or may not be. You know, we covered last last month's episode was on deodonase. It was. And we pretty much exhausted that subject, so I don't know what we're going to have this month. But it'll be All I got to say is that is anode's rule. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually some swag with that on it in the swag shop we mentioned earlier. And you'll have to go back and watch all the episodes to find out where that inside joke came from. Yeah, it'll only take you a little while. Yep. And we'll be back at the, well, around the middle of next month. Not sure what date it will be because Hamvention is coming up, and uh, that kind of falls in the middle of May. So I hope to see some of y'all there. I'm sure we will. And looking forward to... uh, a great time up there. I'm glad they're back this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I kind of hate I'm going to miss it, but uh, I'll be there the yeah. following year. I should. Okay. I did mention it earlier, not to change the subject, but I am, <laughs> just because I saw something in the chat room. I'm going to uh, Hamvention as well this year, and we'll be streaming Contest University live. I'm I'm not sure where we're going to stream it to yet. I'll we'll let you know where that's going to be. But uh, you know, if you don't make it to Hamvention, uh, you'll be able to catch it. That'll be me because I don't think yeah. I'm going to be able to make it. Yeah. Well, it's the day before, so even you know, even those who are driving in the that morning, they still have the opportunity to check it out. So cool. Um. Oh, yeah, and it'll be good to see Emil there. You know, we don't get to hang out at that many Hamfests together, although we we do a few, but this will be the first one where we've ever been this far north. <laughs> there you go. Jackson has been it. And, well, maybe Huntsville, yeah. Did we see you in Huntsville? I yeah, think, yeah. some in rain. Yeah, that's not north. No? Oh, yeah. no, that's not north. That's actually yeah. south. That's probably as far west as we've ever seen it. It might be north for a meal. With that, I guess I'm going to say 7-3. Yep, 7-3, everybody. Thanks for joining us. 7-3. Keep it cheap.
Well, we have um, we have squirrels in here or something. Squirrels? I don't know what that was. Squirrels that play the xylophone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those. Thanks for sending that photo. You know, I wrote him back and I said, not only. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 